Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Humes, and we're going to be talking about how to simplify your life, both at home and at school, to enable you to live your best life as both a teacher and also as a person, as a family member, in all the other roles that you play as well. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation, and so let's jump right into it. Hi, I'm here today with Sarah Humes, and I'm so excited to talk to her today about simplifying our teacher life and how to bring principles of minimalism into our life as teachers uh, to help us be less stressed and experience more success as teachers. Thanks so much for being here, Sarah. I'm so honored. I'm so excited to be here. And some of you may know that Sarah is actually one of our customer experience specialists here at Teach for the Heart. And I'm so glad that she's also uh, an expert on minimalism and has so many other great ideas to share. So I'm excited to talk with you today. Sarah, do you mind introducing yourself real quickly first? Absolutely. I would love to. So I... um Well, currently, I am a Spanish teacher, and I also teach English as a second language and public speaking. But before I became a teacher, I ran a business that focused on helping people um, find really courage, which was a lot of fun. Um, But really, the root of my courage and a lot of people's courage started with getting rid of all the excess stuff in their lives. And, and that was just because so much of what holds us back from living our best life is what is weighing us down. And most of the time that is clutter. And so that's where it all began. And, and it was really kind of fun because I found out that my best life was teaching. So I love it. Um, on uncovering all that in my life led me to teaching. That's so awesome. And so we're going to talk, I wish we had time to dive into that story in detail, but we're going to go ahead, we'll have to save that for another time. We're going to jump into kind of, you have some tips for us today on how simplifying our teacher life can do what you just said, help us live that best life. And that in turn helps us to make a bigger, bigger difference in our students' lives. When we have, when we have kind of our head in the right spot, then it makes a difference in the classroom too. So what's the first area we're going to tackle? Well, I think it's really important just to remember that um, as much as we wish that we can compartmentalize our lives, it's really hard to do that, especially if you happen to be a woman. Um, Now, I'm not sure about the, the men folk out there that are your listeners, but women, I think, have a really hard time. Um, separating their home lives and their teaching lives. I know that sometimes when I'm at school, I can't help but think of my to-do list at home or vice versa. So one of the things that I just want to encourage your listeners to do is to make sure that you are simplifying your home so that you can be set up for success in your classroom. And I just have really um, three simple tips that I would love to share with your listeners that will make I have found that have made such a huge difference in my home. Um, the first one is making sure that you are tackling that dreaded paper pile. <laughs> and in one of this, the first, there's a million different ways that you can do that. And there's lots of different people who have lots of different systems and they're all great. And I encourage everyone to explore what might work for them. But the main thing I want to share 
is to find a way to handle the junk mail that comes into your home. And one of the things that I do that I think every listener could probably find a way of adapting is find a recycle bin and put it somewhere outside of your home, whether it's right beside your mailbox, on in your garage, on your porch, and do not even bring junk mail into your home. Do not set it on your counter. Don't set it on your desk. Don't set it, you know, in your entryway table. Put junk mail in that recycle bin, in that trash bin, outside of your home. Don't even bring it in. So that's a huge, huge piece of advice I have for people. So get rid of it right away. Like, don't even let it sit on the counter. Just it comes straight to the to the recycle bin. I love that. Yes, trash does not belong in your house. So it's a huge, it's a huge difference maker. It's a huge difference maker. I love that. I'll have to try that myself. (laughs) All right. So we're simplifying our, we're talking about simplifying our homes with the realization that um, when our homes are simplified, then it frees up our mind. It's one less thing to worry about because it's all symbiotic. It all ties together. So we said first junk mail, we're just going to get rid of it right away. Go straight in the recycle bin. Uh, What's your next tip for our homes? Um, This one's just really simple, but just every once in a while have a have a regularly scheduled decluttering session and it doesn't have to be anything huge maybe you just okay for instance i know that this weekend i have a little coffee bar and i know that my coffee bar has a drawer the second drawer down has been haunting me for <laughs> a couple weeks now and i know that i need to declutter that drawer sometime over this weekend and that'll be a priority for me this weekend And so they don't have to be huge decluttering sessions. You don't have to say, I'm going to clean out the entire upstairs this weekend. (laughs) And that's where we get overwhelmed. Yeah. And so if we just keep it small and say, I'm going to take 15 minutes, empty out this drawer, keep what I should, put away what does not belong in this drawer, because we all do that. (laughs) And then, um, and find out what we can donate to someone else, what maybe could be useful in our classroom because we always find stuff in there that could be useful to us or one of our other teacher friends and then get rid of what doesn't belong there. And then we'll, we'll have such a, those little hidey places that we just stuff things. They really do create, um, I call it like secret stress Mm -hmm. that we don't even think about sometimes. So having those regularly, um, scheduled decluttering sessions make a big difference. I completely agree with you about keeping it small. Like I find I cannot tackle this huge thing, but I but I can go drawer by drawer. Yeah, one here, one there, and and it feels really good. It feels like that nice win. You don't feel like oh I didn't get to the rest. You're like I did this one. Yeah. But you mentioned regular, and I think that is a key because I find myself I'll go in spurts and then I like won't do it for months and then it like accumulates. How do you make that regular? Like do you personally? What do you do? Do you do it once a week? Do you just how does that work? So I, for instance, I live in a house with a ton of windows. Okay. So like, I'll just think, oh, well, I want to know, I know that I want to have all my windows kind of like when we do lesson planning, how we work backwards. I do that with my house too. If I know I want to have my entire house decluttered per season, if I want to work through my whole house through the season, I just kind of break it down. I'll say, okay, well, I want to work through all the areas in the kitchen this month and all the areas in the rest of the downstairs next month. And then I can work on the kids room the month after that. And I break down things just kind of a little bit like that. Um, And then my room tends to declutter, like I can declutter my room in one day. So that might be a day that I set aside and 
and honestly just kind of go to town that particular day. Um, but I just kind of set aside time and work backwards, very much the way we do when we know that there's a goal that we're working towards with our lesson planning. Um, and it's kind of fun to see how it connects, how you can build those goals the same exact way. Yeah, so you're you're intentional with it. So you kind of say, this is this is what I want to do and kind of set yourself a goal and then you can, yeah, almost set up, set up a timeline. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. So if someone's saying, okay, I want to do this, but the thought of like my whole house, even in a year is like, whoa, you could say, I want to do, you know, the kitchen in the next two months. Like it, it can, it doesn't really matter necessarily how quickly you're doing it. Just the fact that you're, you're starting, right. You're doing something. Right. And sometimes, sometimes every once in a while, you just need a little kickstart. And I know when, when my family and I were just starting decluttering, we would actually count the items that we were donating. And it was so fun and motivating. We had a blast with this. We, we started with um, a focus on the family challenge that we saw called the 2000 item challenge. And we had a blast with it. My kids and I would do about 50 items a night sometimes uh, or 15 items every two days. And we had so much fun boxing those items up. It was seriously one of the most unifying times in our family's life. It was amazing. Oh, that's so cool. All right. That, that's, that's very motivating to me. So hopefully it is to everyone else as well. Okay. So we're junk mail straight to recycling schedule regular decluttering sessions. It can be really small, but just get that ball rolling. Uh, and then what's your last tip for the home? So this one always makes people a little uncomfortable, but just making sure that we don't have more laundry or dishes than what we need. So if you really want to try a new experiment, try just having one plate, bowl, and cup for each person in your house. Just try it for a week. We did this when we were moving, and I was amazed at how how freeing it was. And just washing that dish or that plate right after we, we used it and then saying, I was just like, I never got behind on my dishes. And it felt so good all the time. And we have really, we used to have a service for 16 because I love to have company. And now we just have a service for six and it's perfect. It's perfect. We have two extra for if we have company. And if we're going to have more than that, we will either sometimes borrow from the neighbors, which we have done. <laughs> and other times we just will have to, you know, buy disposable, which is fine too, which sometimes feel feels awkward to serve to our guests on paper plates. But you don't have all those dishes. <laughs> yeah. Other times we don't have those dishes. Um, but sometimes it's just, it's just fine. Everything doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. And it's really been a set, you know, a mindset that we've overcome and, and now I don't have to get behind on dishes the way I used to. And the same thing with laundry. I have pared down my closet so much. There is nothing in my closet now that I do not feel like a rock star in. If I do not feel absolutely beautiful in it, it does not belong in my closet anymore. The same thing with my kids. If they do not look absolutely beautiful or handsome in it, they will not wear it. <laughs> they do not have it in their closet. And it has saved me so much laundry so much time. And so it is a lot of work at first when you you are decluttering that, but then the freedom is so much better. Yeah, I can I I'm 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 very just in the beginning of that journey. I used to kind of keep everything unless I was sure I didn't want it and I'm pushing towards that and it feels good. I'm not nearly there yet, but 
even just making steps. Like, I'm really not going to wear this. It just needs to go. Um, and it, it does. It does feel so good. <laughs> so kind of lim- limiting this, um, getting rid of rid of some of this stress. And um, I know everyone does laundry differently. I'm just going to throw in, this is, this is just something from me, um, a tip for laundry that I found helpful um, for me personally is I will not put in a load of laundry until the other one is put away. And that helps me to keep from having like tons of baskets. So I only have, we only have two laundry baskets, one for us and one for all, we have four kids. So that's a lot of kids. So I won't put in the next load. I only have one laundry basket. So it goes in the laundry basket, it goes in, it comes out. And I don't put the next load in the laundry until that one is all the way put away. Because the folding is what stresses me out. And if I have mountains of folding, I can't handle it. So that's, everyone has their own system, but. That's, That's a great system, though. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So simplifying our homes will set us up for success in the classroom. What's the next area we want to tackle to simplify? So I think simplifying our classrooms needs to be next because that really does help us just have so much more success with our students. And there have been so many studies that talk about how a cluttered area really adds stress to our lives. And so we want to have a classroom that is honestly soothing to our students, right? We want our students to feel when they walk into our classroom, like it's a breath of fresh air. And so I have spent a lot of time cultivating a classroom where my students, I love when my students walk into my classroom and they say, it feels so homey in here. I love when they walk in and say that. I make sure that there's a lot of white space on my walls. Um, And I have lamps strategically placed in my room so that it's not always the harsh um, fluorescent lighting. And then I make sure that I'm always assessing what do I really need in my classroom? How many words do I really need on my word wall? (laughs) Um, So, you know, I teach Spanish, so I could have hundreds of words up on my Spanish word wall. Instead, I choose to have the top 16 verbs that we use. That's it. It's really hard to pare that down, but it's what I've chosen to do. Um, you know, I make sure that my storage is very strategic. I don't store a ton of things in my classroom. I have my students. They do. I do have my students keep their own storage boxes in here but it's with their vocab words and their folders that they use every day. And then my classes are all color coded, which really helps me and my students. So for instance, my Spanish two class knows that everything in this classroom that is a bright blue color belongs to them. So they know that their homework basket is bright blue. They know that when I need to return something for them, it's from the bright blue basket. When I make my photocopies and things I'm gonna hand out to them, it's in my bright blue bin. So everything has a place that, and all the blue folders belong to them. And so it is just really nice to have everything color coded. That was something that I learned last year when I first was setting up my classroom, I, I needed a system and that has worked so well. Um, so being creative with that, and making sure that the things I do have in my classroom are strategic has made a huge, huge difference. Um, The other thing is using vertical storage. We don't think about the fact that we have so much wall space that we don't use a lot of times in our classroom. And um, 
so I've started getting really creative with that using hanging files on my wall, um, which I would have never thought of, but there was a teacher who was leaving last year and she had a hanging file. And that's what I use for when my students are absent now. And last year I had the manila envelopes or the manila folders and I had them laying all over for students that were absent last year and it was a mess. And so now I have this easy systematized, you know, um, system that makes life so much easier. And when, when you're saying you just like take the like take these folders and kind of just just stick, stick them to the wall, right? Like there's yes, they're yeah. in a pocket that that just lines up right on the wall. Yeah, so just like pocket, pocket, pocket. Yeah, yeah. I did something similar. Yeah, that's such a great tip. Yeah, and um, even even I have um, a cube storage system that I put on a smaller filing cabinet. That's my homework station. So now I have it a little bit elevated, and it's a lot easier that now I have it up a little bit higher, I'm using that vertical space and it clears up more floor space and it just makes the room a little bit, you know, adds some extra dimension, but it makes it just a little bit more, um, not only aesthetically pleasing, but it just makes it so that everything's not as crowded, which kind of leads me to my next, next point that I really wanted to make. And that is that we need to make sure that there's like space in our classroom, like I, with both our seating and with like just the room in general, like I I have strategically set up my classroom so that my perimeter is used for like my student stations. So um, I have a lot of dictionaries that my students need to have access to both my ESL students and my Spanish students. So there's Chinese Bibles and Korean Bibles and Spanish Bibles and all those dictionaries in the other languages. They need to have access to those. So I made a perimeter station so that everything's not on the desks or in the middle. And then I made sure that my, my desks are in groups so that I have room to walk around and my students, when they're working in groups, they can work on the floor together. There's lots of floor space. It's just, it's a lot more open. My classroom is actually very small, but everyone says, how did you end up with the biggest classroom? I think it's one of the smaller classrooms in the building, but it looks big just the way it's set up because I use my perimeter wisely and I use my, um, my tables wisely. And a lot of that was just researching on Pinterest and learning how to do that and not being afraid to do something a little different. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So, yeah. <laughs> and maybe we can get a picture of your classroom to put in the notes. That'd be, that'd be really yes, cool. <laughs> yeah. I will, I'll definitely try. I'm not the best uh, photographer, but I do have some students who are very, very gifted in that area. So I will do that. <laughs> that'd be awesome. And we're going to put the notes for this episode at teachfortheheart.com slash simplify. So you can head over there and hopefully we'll be able to include a picture. Yes, absolutely. All right. So we're simplifying our homes. Uh, we're simplifying our classrooms. Um, what's next? Um, I think the last thing that is so important to, to, to simplify is just being brave enough. And I do stay brave on just very intentionally being brave enough to simplify our schedules. If we really want to show up and be the best teachers that we can be, we need to be brave enough to say, I can only do so much. Mm -hmm. And that is so hard for so many of us because we don't want to miss out, you know, and I actually, um, 
I have a great book recommendation for your listeners too. It's called The Joy of Missing Out. Um, it's written by Tanya Dalton. And it, it's just an amazing book. I just finished um, being part of her, her launch team not too long ago. And it was just an incredible book that has uh, stirred my heart so much. But it's called, um, yeah, The Joy of Missing Out. And when you choose to say no to certain things so that you can focus on your calling, it is incredible. So for me, when I said yes to teaching, I knew that that meant that there was a lot of things that I was going to need to say no to. But I was okay with that because I look at look at teaching as my ministry. And so that means that I can pour myself more into time with the Lord so that I can mentor my students. That um, And now I'm away from my own children a little bit more than I was in the past. So when I'm home with them, I am all in. When I'm home with my kids, I love that I walk in the door and I see their faces and I'm there, you know, so I, I get to, by saying no to other out, outside things, I get to say yes to my own kids. And I love that. Um, that's and so, in this, I'll go ahead. I was just say that's just, that's just so important. And I like how you said that about you view teaching as your ministry. And um, when I was in the classroom, it was the same thing with me. And I think I did have one other ministry that I did at my church, but I said no to a lot of other ministries or a lot of, you know, I won't get, our church had like a night you were supposed to go out, you know, and do these other ministries. And I just, I said no to a lot of that because I knew if I do all of that, it will, I will not be able to be as effective here. And this is my primary ministry. And so I really do want to kind of echo those words and encourage those of you out there that are involved in two, three, four, five ministries at your church to really ask yourself, is this sustainable? Am I really doing an excellent job? at all five of these ministries or do I need to pare it down so I can really do a good job at the one or two that I really feel called to. So definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was a really, um, it was really fun when I started examining where I fit in serving right now. And it was amazing because I, I love working with kids and, and I wanted to be involved somehow at my church. But what I said is, you know, during the school year, it's really hard for me to serve, especially because I'm, you know, with kids all the time. And so what I ended up doing was working at the front desk of our church, signing kids in at the computer. And so I happen to be very tech savvy and they don't have a lot of people who are, who would say they're tech savvy. And so if something goes wrong with the computers, I can fix it. And, you know, so I found my, my spot right there that they needed someone to serve. And uh, so it was just really cool that I have a, a spot that where I get to serve and it's just, you know, it's not it. as, as teaching Sunday school or, you know, something like that for me currently. So um, the other thing that is really, it's so hard sometimes with this, but um, being willing to set limits with our kids. And this is, I know, so hard, but I, I really just wanted to share a story um, that just happened recently. And it's still a little, it's still pulling on my heartstrings a little bit, but I think that this is just a classic point about how important and how much bravery sometimes it does take to set those limits. Um, my daughter, Lydia, is 10, and she is just super talented when it comes to singing and acting and all the drama stuff that um, some 10-year-olds just come by naturally anyways. <laughs> and um, so she had the opportunity to 
um, audition for a play in the city where I work. But the city where I work happens to be about 40 minutes from my home. And I had gone back and forth because I know that she would have got the part had she auditioned. She looks the part. She is the part. You know, she she would have just, there's no doubt in my mind, she would have received the, the role. And she was heartbroken after me praying about it when I told her that I was not going to let her audition. And her first response was, I can't believe you're taking this opportunity from me. And <laughs> But I reminded her that our true opportunity is sitting down at dinner together and being together as a family and growing together as a family. And that was probably one of the most difficult moments I've had as a parent thus far. I mean, my kids are not that old yet. <laughs> but setting that limit with her was so difficult but so rewarding because I got to show her what our true priorities are. It's not always being the shining star. It's, it's being a family. And that was hard. And, um, and making sure that she knows that our family is a priority and, and not running on the road in the middle of winter because we live where there's really bad winters. And, and she, she got to see, you know, that we, not only talk the talk, but we walk the walk and she got to see that. And it was really, it was a really powerful moment for our family. Yeah. And, and I, something she's going to look back on and, and, and see that too, you know? Yeah. And she's, she's pretty much over it, you know? So that's fabulous. <laughs> so, And you're not the first person to say that. I've heard a lot of, a lot of people really give that recommendation. Just be careful from, you know, this was a specific situation in your family, but it said, be careful from letting putting your kids into too many activities so that you're just running around. You don't have time to be a family. It's just, it's just too much. So setting limits on kind of how many, which activities and how many activities. And then I think you have one more for our schedules. Yes. And that is just making sure that you schedule some time for yourself every once in a while. Um, you know, there's, there's a balance where you just need to make sure that you are feeling rested and cared for, um, you know, just this weekend, my husband and I went away and that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> uh, it's really hard to schedule that. It took honestly months of planning to make sure it could happen, <laughs> but it was fabulous. And we laughed and we went away with, um, a few other couples and we laughed and we had fun and it was just wonderful. Um, scheduling time for yourself and making sure that you are fulfilled as a person and not just a teacher and not just a mom and, you know, like making sure you're a whole person. There's nothing like that. Like that goes along. Sometimes we forget that that goes along with minimalism and that goes along with, with who we are at our core, because that is, that's who we are. You know, that's the essence of who we are. And every day I just try to, even if it's just five minutes, I just try to take, time to do something just for me. And sometimes that is honestly just sitting on my bed in silence and that's okay. Like I need that silence. Sometimes it's, I have a couch here in my classroom. Sometimes it's just sitting on my couch in my classroom, but I really, I'm recharged by that silence and I love it. And so I try to make sure that I'm doing something completely quiet or I'll read something really thought provoking. I love to think really deep. And so I make sure I do something like that. 
And that recharges me. So finding something, knowing yourself, being self-aware enough to know what recharges you and doing something like that is so important to make sure that you feel full. And that helps you to show up for your students. They, my students love to know what I've been reading. They, they like to hear what podcasts I've been listening to. They'll ask me those things because I, I love to talk to them about it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's just so true, right? Um, Sometimes we just think I don't have time for this, but even if it's, even if it's small things daily, five minutes, you know, and then, and then these bigger things here and there, it, I find the same thing. Um, if, if I go too long without doing that, I start to not, I don't function so well. It, 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 it it comes out poorly for my kids, for my family, for, you know, for everyone. Um, so it's definitely, it's important. It, it, it is, absolutely yeah. is. So thank you so much for sharing us these three areas. I saw you, we kind of were talking before and you said there, I know you don't have a ton of time left because you got a class coming here in a few minutes, but you were sharing a little bit about like, what does this actually look like though? Like the reality of it. Yeah. So the reality is, I mean, we do, we're human. We tend to like always, accumulate more than we could ever want right and and so that's why (laughs) that's why we do have to schedule those times and just to you know to to comb through our things and everything I have more than I want like I know that part of my Thanksgiving break is going to be devoted to getting rid of some stuff but that's okay you know I I intentionally use breaks to reset but that doesn't mean that every day I get those breaks you know, there are days where I come home exhausted and I flop on the couch and I say, I'm done. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes in, I say it in Spanish. I go, I, I'm just like, yeah, no mas, you know? <laughs> and so I'm just, you know, it's okay. But we, um, we have to realize that it's not about doing this perfectly. It's about modeling, doing the best we can for our kids. And, and whether that's our own children, our students. Um, And that is also just about encouraging our colleagues and our friends because we are all in this together. And and, and it's okay just to realize that we do not have to be perfect at any of this. As long as we're just making a little bit of progress, a little bit of progress can really go a long way. And, you know, just go back to that one drawer. Like think about how good it feels to clean out that one drawer. Sometimes a little bit of progress can create enough momentum to keep us going so much longer than we could ever imagine and to celebrate those little wins. I love that. So focusing on the, focusing on the fact that you're making progress rather than getting discouraged by all the areas you're not to yet or or all the places where you're not quite as far as you'd want to be. That's so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing all these tips for simplifying. I came up away with a bunch of them, and I want to encourage everyone that's listening to maybe pick two or three that you really actually want to try. Because you probably can't try everything tomorrow, but kind of think mentally think through what what are a couple of these that I really want to try to try to implement. And I know you've been influenced um, by a couple different uh, influences. Can you talk a little bit? Um, first of all, I think I know you've done a minimalism course, I believe. And then I think you've also used the 40 hour teacher work week that have kind of helped shape your things, your thinking in these areas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I've actually the the first minimalism course that I did was with Ali Kazaza. Um, and she is just absolutely amazing. And I'm always just super encouraged every time I come across things of hers. And she just is so real about, and once again, she's just someone who is always supporting 
progress and not perfection and just the reality of motherhood and life with kids. And um, so everything that she does is just super encouraging. Um, and then the stuff that I've come across with Angela has just been amazing. Angela Watson in the 40 hour teacher work week. I just love how the two of them mesh so well together because they both talk so much about batching and just making sure that you are intentional about what you want to accomplish that day. And things like the Pomodoro method, which is, you know, setting a timer for 25 minutes or more um, sometimes because it's really hard to get into a state of flow if you're like lesson planning or things. Um, but just using those those time frames and getting what you can done as fast as you can in a small amount of time. And they are both in such a, they're on the same, same wavelength in two different parts of my world. And I love that when I, when I can find people who are championing almost the same cause just on different parts of my life. And I love that. And so they have both just encouraged me so much in different parts of my life. And working through the 40 hour teacher work week has just encouraged me to keep working on the areas of my minimalism in my home that maybe get ignored a little bit now that I'm teaching and not at home anymore. So it's just been really encouraging to, to be working through both of their courses again. So so awesome. And we're going to share a little bit more about the 40-Hour Teacher Work Week in a minute. But I know, Sarah, you got a class coming in soon. So thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. Any final words of encouragement? Just don't give up. Keep trying and, and just do little by little. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Linda. I'm so glad Sarah was able to share these tips with us. I found them helpful, and I hope that you did as well. We're going to link to all the resources that she mentioned at teachfortheheart.com slash simplify. So you can go over there and check all of them out. But I wanted to share a little bit in particular about Angela Watson's 40-hour teacher work week, which if you've been listening to the podcast for long, you know that I've shared with before. However, Angela is offering a brand new version of the program that is available now and it will only be available for about a week and a half to two weeks right here at the end of December, start of January. And what it is, is it's called the 40-Hour Fast Track Program. So if you're not familiar with the full program, the full 40-Hour Teacher Workweek program lasts an entire year and you go through kind of each area of your classroom and life one by one and focus on a different area each month. It is an incredible program and I highly recommend it. However, as I said, this new version of the program that Angela's just offered is, I think, the absolute best thing you can do right now at the start of a new year to simplify your life. And it's called the 40-Hour Fast Track. And what it is, is it is a condensed six-week program that's designed to give you quick results. It includes only the most impactful strategies from the club to help you get out of survival mode since it's the middle of the year and trim hours off your work week right away. So this is the absolute perfect solution for you in the middle of the year to get in there, take six weeks, make some changes, make some mindset changes, make some actual physical changes, make some simplifications, and get yourself on track. So if you feel like, man, I learned so much in this episode today from Sarah, but I feel like Um, I either feel like I'm only scratching the tip of the iceberg or I feel like I'm overwhelmed and I need someone to kind of walk me through what should I actually do piece by piece. The 40-hour fast track program is for you. So I I strongly encourage you to check it out. You can get all the details at teachfortheheart.com slash 
40 our teacher. Now, when you say, I say it's six weeks, you have access after those six weeks. So you don't have to feel pressured by that, but the six weeks is, is designed to be able to be completed in six weeks so that you can, uh, like I said, experience those quick results right away and get to the point where you are feeling less stressed, where you have more time for your family and for school, and you're able to live that best teacher life and be more effective as a result. So head on over to teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher to get all the details about the 40-hour fast track program. And it is only available uh, for about a week and a half to two weeks. So definitely check it out right away and join while you have the opportunity. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at lynda at teachfortheheart.com. Thank you guys again so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.